0: You know, we call our sites, you know, Ecuador, India, and Guyana, we call them core sites, but really, we haven't had a lot of presence there because of COVID. We made them core sites in January 2020, and then March 2020, the world, world fell apart. And so we've been supporting them through Zoom sessions like this and through education, but we want to get boots on the ground again. We want to get them there soon, and we want to help.
1: Welcome to 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm your host, Rob Hoyle, and today our show might sound a little different to you because we have a guest Zooming in from Ecuador. She is Sherry Jardine, and she's a member of the Center for Global Health. We also have the director for the Center of Global Health, Dr. Eric Choi-Pena, and we have our co-host, Brian Donnelly. So why don't we jump right into Sherry? Tell us what's happening right now in Ecuador.
2: Sure, so um, we've been here, this is the third week of our mission, um, supporting vaccination efforts at the behest of the Ministry of Health here in Ecuador. Um, The Ecuadorian staff here have been vaccinating for the past two months tirelessly um, and so they've been very uh, exhausted and they requested our help to come here and kind of give them some relief um, and relaxation, so essentially a vacation or kind of some time off to catch up on their other administrative duties, such as seeing patients, et cetera. So we've been here uh, vaccinating in two clinics um, in Quito, Ecuador, uh, providing that support uh, with boots on the ground.
1: That's great. And you're in a classroom right now uh, in, in Ecuador. and yes, so-,
2: so one of the vaccinations pods we're supporting is a school. So I'm here in a classroom setting. <laughs>
1: Right, and, and Dr. Troy uh, Pena, just tell us why it's so important for Northwell to take this initiative and to be helping out, especially in areas like Ecuador where the vaccination rates are so low.
0: Yeah. So, you know, um, it, it is vitally important, as you said, Rob, you know, um, the uh, vaccination rate in Ecuador is still under 10 percent um, for fully vaccinated. And, and they are essentially living what our nightmare scenario was. Right. Which is we're 16 months into almost 17 months into a pandemic. And, and they're still facing surges. Uh, Quito, the week that I was there, which was the first week, was opening a new COVID hospital. Um, so imagine, you know, having to go through a third major peak um, as, a, as a health system right now in the middle of the summer 2021. It's it's a, it's a situation that we don't want to see anywhere. Um, and, and, it, and not only for the selfless reasons that this is the right thing to do and that People should have, you know, access to the vaccine, but it also keeps us safe at home. Where, you know, we're seeing all of these variants get thrown out from countries that haven't had vaccination rates that are high. Um, and our concern is that eventually one of these variants is going to be able to dodge the immunity of the vaccine, and that will spread very quickly. Like we said, you know, um, I, I think our CEO of our health system says some people consider Chinese uh, China around the world. We consider it, uh, you know, a twelve-hour yeah. plane right away.
1: Right, it really is a small world when you think how connected we are. Somebody can get on a plane and be right—you said in JFK—in—in in, you know a matter of hours. Um, tell us, Doctor um, Trepena, Pena, why you got involved, and you've been involved in this for a long time. Tell us how you got your start.
0: Yeah, so I—I I, um, I started, you know, as like a, a pre-med student, just very interested in HIV and AIDS, and interested in the you know the mechanisms of how HIV worked. And it wasn't until I really like kind of looked up. And looked at the world and saw what's happening in COVID happening in HIV, you know, years ago, which was that it was a chronic illness in the States, something that was dealt with with medications very effectively, but was still a death sentence in in the rest of the world and especially in the global south. Um, And we're seeing that again, right, we're seeing that with COVID now where COVID is, you know, in the post vaccine era, COVID is a nuisance it's a, you know, you'll have to isolate, you'll have to contact trace, but the risk of you dying from COVID or the risk of you going to the hospital from COVID is minuscule now after the vaccine. Um, whereas in the countries that haven't received the vaccine yet, it's still a very real threat and 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 potentially um, could be a death sentence for even the youngest and healthiest among us. And so um, it's, it's a reason, um, it's the reason that inspires me to work on this. And I think, um, uh, it, it inspires a lot of the people that are doing global health right now. When you talk to the teams that are down there, if you talk to Sherry, um, you know, the, the, the teams are inspired by writing this inequity and, and making sure people have access to quality health care.
3: And, and so, Dr. Troy Pena, yeah, how do you bring that to Northwell? 2019 is when you launched this program. You know, what was that process like and, you know, how much has it grown since then?
0: Yeah, so the Center for Global Health is a labor of love, and it, and it really is, it's a center that, that grew out of a need. And it grew out of, um, it started as a, you know, the tip of the spear or the iceberg was um, safety and security for Northwell staff, especially the residents and students that were traveling. Um, and out of that, what we discovered was this is something that, that's, that our employees are doing um, on their own. Uh, without coordination, without, you know, system-wide support um, all over the health system. And imagine what we could do if we coordinated it, if we supported it, if we organized it, if we focused it, if we took all that energy and, and met with three or four core partners in different countries and said, how do we move the ball forward for you guys? How do we get this to be more than just trips, but real development, real bilateral education and cultural exchange? And, you know, I think we're we're all better for it. Um, you know, the the types of longitudinal programs that the center focuses on really enriches the lives of our employees as much as it enriches the lives of of the host countries and those that we serve.
3: You know, one of the folks we have down, we had down there, uh, Emily Fawcett is a nurse from Lenox Hill, and she has an extensive history with mission trips. Like you said, now she has a place to funnel that energy here at Northwell with the Center for Global Health. Sherry, can you tell us about uh, how you got involved with this mission here in Ecuador right now? Is this uh, your first mission or is this something that you've done before?
2: Well, this is something that I've done before. Um, so I like Eric have been uh, in the public health sphere or global health sphere for many years. Um, I actually lived and worked in Haiti um, between 2015 and 2016 working under the auspice of the CDC. So I'm very happy to be here happy to provide this level of help and support. Um, and folks on the ground are just super grateful um, and pleased to to get you know assistance they really needed needed some some rest.
3: So tell us, you know, what has been the reaction? How long have you been there and, and what has your experience been like?
2: Sure. So I arrived, we all arrived here on um, Sunday evening until this is our third day vaccinating. As I said, I'm part of team three. I'm the admin lead here. So the reaction overall has just been, you know, happiness. Um, people even though there's a bit of a a language barrier with some of us um, i don't have spanish fluency i have french fluency and very little spanish but i understand a lot Um, and you know just people expressing gratitude in you know very humanit humanitarian ways you know kind of doing fist bumps elbow bumps taking pictures with us um you know just expressing their gratitude for us being here so it's been great um we were even stopped in the hotel this morning and asked, you know, about, you know, why we're here. We're all wearing North Shore polos and, and, you know, what we're doing down here. And, you know, it was a, a group of gentlemen sitting at a table and they just, you know, wanted to express their gratitude and, you know, appreciation for our presence here.
1: And so just a little while ago, uh, I think back in May, you sent support to India. Tell us a little bit about how you helped out in India, how the Center for Global Health was able to help there.
0: Yeah, so the Center for Global Health, basically, and all of Northwell, were, were working with the Indian Ministry of Health um, through a partner um, uh, named API, which is the um, the uh, American Association of Indian uh, Physicians of Indian Origin, um, which um, which was coordinating a relationship between Northwell and the Ministry of Health um, to provide supplies. Basically, you know, the big thing in India during the COVID. Uh, peak there recently was oxygen. Oxygen was the was the most uh, needed and most scarce resource, and so Northwell coordinated the donation of uh, over three hundred thousand dollars of of oxygen generating supplies, including oxygen concentrators. Uh, we donated over a million. Um, KN95 masks for personal protective equipment to staff, um, and really ramped up our support um, in, a, in a time when our partner was saying, you know, we can't get these supplies, even if we had the money to, to, to buy them, um, we can't find them anywhere. Can you please send us them? And it's very rare in global health that sending supplies is the right Choice. A lot of times local markets can can support those those uh, purchases. And really, we should be using local markets. But COVID has done some really weird things to the global market. And, um, and there are things that are really hard to per, uh, to buy, you know, for instance, right now, syringes uh, to, to give the vaccine is one of the scarcest supplies in the world. Um, you know, maybe even become more scarce than the vaccine itself, um, and and uh, you know those things are, are why it's important to have partners that are on the ground working because when they ask for things and they need things, we can help them uh, in a much more expeditious fashion than we would had we just kind of come and said, "Oh, we want to help India." The fact that we have a site there that we're working with a group there really um, really expedited that that uh, that donation.
3: And so, uh, where where did that uh, partnership begin with that particular organization that helps you to to funnel those supplies uh, recently?
0: Yeah, so I mean, you know, the main the main um, I think. Uh um, the main driver of that was really Dr. Shashi Shah, who is a urologist in the eastern region, um, who who has a relationship um, with the Medical College of India, has a relationship with this with API, which is the you know the organization in Long Island, as well as API National, the national organization, and and really helped broker the conversations that made it very easy for us to ship these um, these oxygen concentrators to to two sites, to Mumbai and to Delhi, where they were badly needed. And without his his support, without these local connections, it really is a very tough thing to do. We, you know, we actually even tried in a couple of other instances to help other organizations, but there's so much red tape getting medical equipment, um, donated to medical equipment, even when it's new, brand new equipment, uh, across international borders. And then once it landed in India, getting it across state borders was virtually impossible. And so um, I'm very thankful to Api and to Dr. Shah for helping us uh, navigate some of those hurdles and get the help to where it was needed.
3: There must be a lot of examples like that uh, with your center. I'm curious, you know, how many Northwell employees do we have uh, involved with this? And, you know, how are they all working in that way to, to connect us in that with local partners?
0: So, so right now, the center itself has a staff of three. Um, and so we're, we're working on a shoestring. Um, but we have, um, we have just as many uh, volunteers, so we have volunteer interns that are working with us, and we have three of those. Um, and then we have hundreds and hundreds of employees that have volunteered time, that have, uh, that have signed up saying, I'll go on trips for you. Um, you know, Northwell actually decided uh, to, to support these missions, and, and we've, we've actually paid clinical time to our staff for this trip. Um, but, but most of the staff that we ask, they, they're using their own PTO. They're using their own vacation time to donate um, their time to come and help these missions. And, you know, the dedication of our staff members, um, you know, be it a, a respiratory therapist, nurse, uh, doctor, resident, medical student, you know, and, and everyone else, you know, every, all the other professions that make up our health system, everyone is willing to help. Um, everyone is generous with their time and with their, their resources. And, and we're very thankful that the employee generation, the employee drive for, for India raised over $40,000 in a month. Um, so we, we have an incredibly generous employee base. That's awesome. And I'm curious,
1: how does, um, how do, um, Northwell employees as 75,000 employees at Northwell health, uh, maybe a lot of employees don't know about this. How do employees uh, sign up to become volunteers?
0: So if they uh, go onto any Northwell computer and type in Center for Global Health, um, we have an intra- intranet page um, that has the employee global health interest form. They click on that, fill out their information and we will we will reach out to them. Um, we're building out a, a volunteer management database. We're gonna ask a lot more specific questions and um, we're gonna know where people have traveled before, what languages they speak. And when opportunities come up, we're gonna just start connecting employees to opportunities. and uh, And we really hope that this will help build out, um, you know, the presence at our core sites. You know, we call our sites, you know, Ecuador, India, and Southern, uh, excuse me, Ecuador, India, and, and Guyana. We call them core sites, but really, we haven't had a lot of presence there because of COVID. We made them core sites in January 2020, and then March 2020, the world, world fell apart. And so, we've been supporting them through Zoom sessions like this and through education. But we want to get boots on the ground again. We want to get them there soon, and we want to help. And right now, the number one thing to help with is COVID. So we want to help with COVID. Bring our experience and our expertise to the to these areas of the world. Um, listen to what they're doing, um, and uh, and then and then build out the relationships from there.
3: Yeah, and I would love to hear more about that. You know, you had plans in place, obviously, in these core sites. COVID hits. So then, you know, what's the reaction? How did you maintain those relationships? And and what did you do?
0: Sherry, do you want to tell them a little bit about
3: psychiatry?
2: Sure. A large part of the maintenance of those relationships took place, obviously, virtually. um, And it was through um, three different programs. So in India and in Ecuador, we've embarked on a tele psychiatry, excuse me, program. So, tele psych program um, using Zoom and our residents to provide um, psychiatry consults for folks in country. Um, And really, the the quickest is the reduction in wait time. So within both uh, instances, the wait for a psychiatry consult would oftentimes be, you know, two to three months. And with our program, we've cut that down to about two weeks. Um, So that's the support that we've been providing in Ecuador and India virtually throughout the pandemic. Um, And then additionally, um, in Guyana, um, their needs were around nursing leadership training. And so we've We won a small grant to support that work as well, and we've been providing nursing leadership education virtually. Um, We had a nursing leadership basics workshop that was attended by over 30 um, members of the Guyana Ministry of Health and our partner, um, GPHC, which is the Georgetown Public Hospital Corporation, Um, and that took place in May. And we have two more workshops coming up in September and December, through which um, our our partners will be able to attend nursing leadership basics through the Institute for Nursing here at Northwell, uh, partnered with Lynette Wolford and and others at the uh, IFN.
3: Yeah, Dr. Troy can you can you talk about uh, the the position that, you know, your team is in, obviously, in the United States, we were the first to have vaccines accessible. Uh, now spreading that across to our core countries and to, you know, other countries in the world. You know, what is that responsibility? You know, how do you see that?
0: Yeah, I mean, we, we have an enormous responsibility. I mean, we, we've essentially the reason why vaccine is scarce in the rest of the world is because the European and U.S., con- you know, the northern country, global north countries have bought all of the vaccine for their own citizens and, and there's limited production. And, and, and so there's inequity in, in equity the, in the rollout of the vaccine. And, and so even though I have, I have a four-year-old and a six-year-old and even though I'm very excited that children will eventually be vaccinated, hopefully this year in, in this country, um, we still have healthcare workers in sub-Saharan Africa that haven't been vaccinated. Um, and as a healthcare worker who had to work unvaccinated against COVID, um, I don't want that on any, I want any of my colleagues to have to experience that for any seconds longer than necessary. Um, and so, while I'm excited that we're we're lowering the age and, and opening up COVID vaccination for other people, we have to be mindful of the fact that that uh, we've bought up you know 90 percent of the world's vaccine, um, and 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 are now you know stockpiling that. And, and, and I think one of the reasons why it was so important for the U.S. to announce they were going to donate 500 million doses of vaccine is because it, it is necessary. We need the generosity of the Western G8 countries in order to protect the Western G8 countries and to do the right thing for the world. Which is vaccinate healthcare workers, vaccinate those at risk of dying that have you know that are that are um, with chronic diseases and 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 are are or older older age and um, and continue the rollout the phased rollout that we did in the, here in the states not blind to the rest of the world's need because we are all connected and it and it's not going to keep us safe if we're allowing it to run amok in other countries.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, long term, how do you how does COVID impact your global health center?
0: I mean, it's it's it just it magnifies inequity um, the same way HIV did. Um, it's it's going to um, it's going to be the main thing that we do um, for a co- at least a couple of years, um, hopefully only a couple of years. Honestly, I'd like to get back to just regular, you know, regular great public health things, which is like reducing infant mortality and maternal mortality and all the other challenges that we have right now, as, as public health practitioners that work globally. Um, but but uh, no, COVID's changed the game. It's, it's, it's put a big magnifying glass on a lot of things, from supply chains, to purchasing power, to sharing of technology and intellectual property. And, uh, and it's really shown where the gaps in the social nets exist. And we're seeing that. We're seeing that uh, firsthand.
1: We always like to end on a positive note. So I want to ask each of you, what gives you hope? What gives you optimis- optimism going forward? And we'll start with you, Sherry.
2: So for me, I think that um, human ingenuity, right? I mean, I think we saw it uh, come to bear during COVID and how fast the vaccine was developed, right? This effort um, worldwide to, to bring hope and, and end something horrible that, that we all were contending with over the past 15 months, um, I'm extremely hopeful um, that that I think COVID has taught us that when we all come together globally, um, we can accomplish great things in the fields of health um, and and public health and community health and you know supporting vulnerable populations and all of those things and human suffering. And so I'm really excited um, for the work that that lies ahead.
0: Yeah, she she took the words right out of my mouth. I mean I. I am so um, proud of how, as a community, we have responded there, you know, we, we, we can focus on the mistakes and things that went wrong, but um, we have seen the best of people over the last 18 months and, and, and the best of people every day, despite being tired, despite not wanting to deal with it anymore, despite wanting to take care of any disease other than covid Um, people have been showing up. And even after going through the hell that we did as a health system, we had over 200 people sign up to go do it again in Ecuador. And that is tremendously inspiring and makes me want to come to work every day.
1: Well, Dr. Troy Pena and Sherry, thank you so much for joining us on 20 Minute Health Talk. And for all you listeners who tuned in, thank you so much. Stay safe and have a great week.
3: Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20-Minute Health Talk on
0: Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.